Blog Talk Radio. Reports keep coming in from all over the globe, confirming it as true. To say that the world is in a state of shock this morning would be to understate the situation. The event seems to have taken place at the same time all over the world, just about 25 minutes ago. Suddenly and without warning, literally thousands, perhaps millions of people just disappeared. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, dispelling all the cunningly devised fables about the rapture. For he is coming. He who sitteth upon the throne is coming. And he will rattle your cage.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. It's good to be with you tonight. Lee, Brian, and I are going to embark on this episode concerning current signs indicating the hand of the Assyrian himself. Ah, yes. The false prophet rising. Bri, how have you been? And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny that uh, you and I had a private conversation, and I've just been so caught up with other things that, uh, well, I've been kind of late to this show myself, I guess. So your opening comments on that. boy opening comment my opening comments well i would have to state we've had a uh, quite a busy week be it in uh some major events playing out or be it personally in the background and a discussion uh in the midst of this week i would say uh a couple of lights went on so I'm not going to go too much further into that uh, until we get moving into this because I'm uh, currently looking at something real fast here that might draw into some of the work I'm doing here in the background. So, Well, not that that should surprise anybody. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, updated on information mid-swing in a program I don't know how many times, but uh, let's do a few show notes. We are switching over the format back to the original format that it was. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with covering uh, breaking news and current events. There's certainly not. I did approach Clinton on the matter. Uh, he bowed out most graciously. Uh, so Clinton will not be continuing with us, although he will most certainly come on for some of our roundtables, which is where this originally came from a couple of weeks ago. Brian uh, was saying we need to get back to the reason why I created the End Time Tribune. Um, he felt like we should do roundtables and stuff like that. And uh, so I sent out some emails to the four points of the globe, and I got replies back that all agreed with Brian that uh, we needed to – uh, switch up the format and go back to a more biblically based program and mingle in, of course, the current events just like we're going to do today. Brian has been talking about on the End Time Tribune for the past few weeks the all the news coming out of, well, Armenia and those pipelines, and it actually took me a minute to get the point myself, but then when it hit me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I realized exactly what was being played out right before my eyes. Everybody knows that we have an obvious spike in gas prices, and it's somebody's intention uh, that the gas prices are going to continue to go up. Just like Brian started saying a couple of months ago, we need to look for this. It's going to happen, and here it comes. Uh, it's in the headlines right now. So with that in mind, um, you know, it makes me think back to this 
refinery that just got taken out in uh, Wisconsin, right there in Brian's neck of the woods. And even locally, he can't get any information on it. It's like it didn't happen. So when things start going on politically that are directly connected to Bible prophecy, we need to stop and take a look at it, and that's what we're going to do tonight. Make no mistakes about it. Um, Things are – well, they're coming into focus. Had a very good conversation with one of my favorite sisters today. And she said that even uh, with some of her associates that uh, are Christians, she has stopped having conversations with them because they get easily agitated. She says that she can't mention biblical topics. So things are starting to come into contrast. I'm sure that everybody realizes that… Israel did a first strike against the Iranian military inside of Syria. And the Quds Force responded by sending a volley into Israel. And I made a few posts about that in comments on Facebook, and my sisters didn't realize the ramifications of it. This is proof, ladies and gentlemen, of signs that a Leviathan has been formed. Brian and I have went to great lengths through many years to explain to you what a beast is. A beast is nothing more than a coalition of angelic princes. And whether you like it or not, please remember that Turkey, Syria, and Iraq are not three countries by our counting. They are three counties in the territory of Asher. Now, with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, don't you realize that the Prince of Persia just launched a volley of missiles into the beautiful land with the full authority of the Prince Asher. Now that should get your attention. It should rattle your cage if you know your history. Just like... uh, I was thinking about doing a post earlier, so I did. Uh, There was released an article this past week in Evangelical Focus. The author went to great lengths to describe uh, entertainment eschatology, um, offhandedly referring to it as pop eschatology. He completely fell short in all of his conclusions because he just does not believe what the Lord his God has already stated. That eschatology is isochronal. That's what God says. 
So you can look behind you and be able to focus in on what is to come. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard me talk about this before. The simple fact that Jews are called Alexander because, like it or not, Alexander showed up at Jerusalem after the siege of Ayeth Tair. Most of you conspiracy theorists will, of course, come right to mind to the tale of the silver shields that harassed the engagement there at Tyre. Many people say that this is the first documented evidence, of course, of UFOs. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, once that siege was done… Alexander went straight away to the beautiful land. So, with that in mind, uh, take note, ladies and gentlemen, it's a historical fact. That's why all Jews call their sons Alexander, because this is one of the things that they did so that Alexander would stay his hand from obliterating them, which he did not. Now, you'll also take note, of course… When is our oldest copy of the Bible, God's Holy Word? That's correct, ladies and gentlemen. 300 B.C. I hope you all realize what that means, who was directly involved with it. So, that being the case, Brian, you have the mic. Okay, sorry about that, my uh, mouse... Using a trackball can sometimes be a little bit of uh, fun here. Nonetheless, uh, well, I mean, that's just it. You know, the whole uh, gist of when we start looking at how uh, certain events have been playing themselves out in real time. And, you know, it's almost key critical that I point something out here because I'm actually glad that one of our listeners had uh, stated something to me this week and uh, to a degree called me out and I'm glad that he did because it helped me uh, realize that some of these things I need to explain with more clarity. Now, it's fairly uh, well known, I would think, at this point for our standard listeners that I'm not really such a huge fan of this current administration. But with that said, irregardless of what I think of this current administration in the United States is irrelevant. And why is that? Because it's God that sets up these leaders in his time for his purposes within the earth. And as we see all of these things that are progressing as we speak, these are the things that are to be playing out right now. So irregardless of if we like any certain said leader, it's completely irrelevant in the overall picture. Now, something else that was brought up, and I think I need to give it some clarity, concerning, uh, for instance, the, uh, the crusader class of people themselves here in the United States or even in other nations where this nationalism is breaking out. Now, uh, let me make this clear right now. Uh, all people that are backing the uh, right-wing administrations within the government that does not make them a nationalist or a crusader. 
And the same can even be said, you know, for instance, John Fay has been going out of his way to point out that uh, because you have the Evangelical Advisory Council, all evangelicals are associated with these varied groups either. Now, what we do have happening here in America is we do have a major threat of nationalism that has its roots within these dominionist movements. And we have people that have, at this stage, I would say, literally gone off the deep end in that regard that are associated with this specific threat. You know, this is where you start really bringing in the, the concept of nationalism, taking it back as far as when it really started breaking out heavily, say, you know, within the late 1800s, but we can even flip the clock backwards even more so. Because there were stages of nationalism that were breaking out at that point in time as well. Now, in context of the Bible, you know, folks, we have to understand that that first rider that goes out, the white horse, that white horse is bringing with it, you have this thread, nationalism, that is involved in this. So as far as prophetically speaking, this is very important. You know, so to reiterate again, not all of the people supporting, for instance, the Republican Party are crusaders, dominionists, nationalists, nor are all the people involved, for instance, within the evangelical communities, crusaders or dominionists or nationalists. So I have to make certain to tone down the way I put some things and not to even mention maybe explain these things with a little more clarity but you know I was very glad to get the comments from this person and it helps me to you know we need to proceed in certain areas with explanations with things as he had even brought up in this well you know the most important thing is where are all these events that have just taken place for instance within this last week well we need to know where this is heading and i I'm thinking because Matthew and I had just had the discussion in the background. I had earlier in the day relaunched one of our old branches of the End Time Tribune, End Time Tribune Media. And I was waiting on Matthew's approval to title the uh, BTR podcast that I have, End Time Tribune Media, to keep this within that branch heading. And as Matthew stated, the whole purpose to do this is to take us back to where we started and where I've had even started myself pushing back in this direction to go this way. If you take note of what I did last weekend, I tried to draw all of these small variables into things as I was explaining the news. And we had started over on that channel last weekend. On Friday, we started the Crucible Part 1, which was essentially a introduction to kind of let people know where this was headed. We gave a little bit of these details, which we're going to discover in, which we're going to discuss a far more in depth tonight, but this is going to be built even more so over on that program as that progresses. And that, that is a very important key critical element. What is happening now, what has been building over the course of this last few months, years, 
and we'll even be circling it back down to the 120-year timeline. In order to do this, though, the most important aspect is we have to have certain things in place so that people understand, like Matthew brought up before. The term he uses, isochronal eschatology. That which has been is that which will be. There's nothing new under the sun. God chases after what has been. Once you understand this, you're going to understand, one, the entirety of the biblical text is key critical. All of God's word is key critical in understanding these last days. Secondly, a proper understanding of ancient history is also excruciatingly relevant. In the midst of all the work I have been doing as far as uh, ancient history is concerned over uh, these years since I started up with the End Time Tribune, has led to a path of evidence that was uh, far different than the majority of your modern-day, uh, be it within the academic realm or within even the uh, historical, theological realms within Christianity. I started stumbling into things, started looking at things from a different perspective, and now as time has rolled forward, the science has now caught up with the work that I've been doing all these years and all of these dots that I connected through the investigative work I was doing through just tons upon tons upon tons of books. I mean, the stacks that I have, be it in digital or here in the house, is literally overwhelming. I had to literally go through and piece all this stuff together with the historical text and overlay that as well with the archaeological findings and keep moving forward to further solidify some of these ideas that I was bringing forward. And now that we have genetic, uh, archaeogenetics and even modern genetics, and as far as the science has come now, it has gotten to the point where it is just unbelievable all the different traits that they can trace through these uh, scientific means now. I mean, they can even come in and um, establish eye color, how that came about, height, uh, going back in ancient times with the archaeogenetics and all kinds of things that it's just literally unbelievable. You know, they call it, have this uh, aspect that they call mutations where they come in and they're able to see when you have a different trait brought in with a group of people, but not to even mention when you take the combination between the Y DNA, which is standardly speaking, that's the male line, as opposed to the MT DNA, which is the line through the woman. All of a sudden you're... Uh, your migrational patterns, your movements of people, they're able to chart when these changes started taking place. They're able to chart such things as, you know, for instance, some of these groups that came out of the Pontic Steppe, for instance, which uh, was a video I had posted between uh, End Time Tribune Media on Twitter or be it the Facebook page that I reopened, is one that just came out here uh, last month that has got some just incredible findings. Um, where he talks about the work from uh, another historian and a woman that really uh, 
how would you say it, uh, reorganized people's thinking as far as ancient history was concerned. And now the genetics have caught up where it's proving, um, technically speaking, many of her theories were correct. And at the same time, it's very interesting because of the fact that this guy's theories are correct as well. And yet when you look at the stream of the actual data, you find out these are two different threads, two different spaces in time. So this work that I've been doing over all these years, now the genetics have caught up. This is completely shaping and reshaping our understanding of the Bible as a whole, not to even mention the most, uh, at times it can be very difficult to trace who is who within the table of nations. As we go further, we get more groups of people named specifically. We have ones that have come through Abraham. We have, uh, for instance, one of the big ones I came upon looking at a while ago, which is going to tie into something we're going to touch on later, would be Milka. So when we discuss end-time prophecy, we have to discuss ancient history. We have to be able to lay things out so that people are able to understand what is happening now and be able to draw this together. You know, and just to touch on one little topic, you know, Matthew brought up the uh, events that played out after the, uh, the Iranian nuclear deal after the United States bowed out of it. Uh, we had the next night, there was a major attack that happened between Israel. They went and hit some targets, and then Quds Force itself launched attacks that went into the Golan Heights. Now, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps and Quds Force are actually very crucial to sort of zero in on. There's some aspects that people don't realize concerning Iran that are talked about commonly in circles, and that's the fact of how much power the Islamic Revolutionary Guard has in Iran. Now, we had, uh, Matthew and I have discussed privately in the background before, if indeed there was something going on with the nuclear weapons uh, project, well, we would have to probably come to the conclusion that it would have been the Islamic Revolutionary Guard. And they, to break it down simply, they essentially are their own body almost to the extent of being a governing body. And there's a lot of the financial issues that are happening that, for instance, when that uh, strike broke out in January, there was a lot of fingers being pointed at them because of how much money it is that they're taking away from the government itself and is being spent on the military arm. Now, if you go back and look at the um, speech that Netanyahu gave, now, of course, you know, the vast majority of analysts pointed out that it was nothing um, new um, outside of what he was basically stating before the nuclear deal was signed, but there were some very small important details that were brought up in there. Um, you know, for one thing, he points out the project being named Project Jamaat. But on top of it, there was a very specific person that was at the head of this, um, you know, in their terminology, alleged project which uh, he was actually a very high-up commander within the Islamic Revolutionary Guard. Now, it's pretty much documented that Mossad had gone in and taken out several of the scientists. There's um, 
events that were basically detailed where coming up on motorcycles, there were bombs set on cars. You know, it's uh, I might be fuzzy on some of the details, but nonetheless, we know that Mossad was responsible for taking out some of those scientists. And this um, specific person that was named by Netanyahu that is connected to the leadership of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard himself was one that didn't have a face on him until he revealed it during that press conference. And, you know, this is something that I I brought up nonstop over the years. The more you began to look at what all was transpiring there as far as did Iran, were they working on a nuclear project? It was very difficult to get to the bottom of it. You kind of come away from it just shaking your head, having no idea essentially all of what was happening there to make a complete and absolute conclusion. Now, my disdain for Netanyahu and his right-wing Likud party aside, I honestly would state that there are details that were in that presentation that I think people need to take seriously. You know, if indeed this information, it is factual, this points the finger at the one group Matthew and I had wondered about extensively in the past, if it was happening, they would be the ones that would be associated with it. But this is where we sort of slide things forward to the events that played out this week with, uh, I mean, this has actually been building for some time. I've talked about the Shiite Crescent quite extensively in the past, where Iran is essentially, they've, you know, they're gaining control of this extensive area of land. And when the Iraq war took place, this created a vacuum, you know, and uh, there's some stuff that Matthew and I discussed quite some time back. When you begin to look at, for instance, in uh, the New Testament, where Jesus states that Nineveh shall rise up that day in judgment, and then it goes on, of course, to point out that the Queen of the South, which we talked about extensively before, that's Yemen. You know, I've talked about the um, connections between the Muhammad and the nation of Yemen, about the fact that he's a Yemenite. That's sort of a long, drawn-out variable within that prophecy. But nonetheless, we can see that both Yemen and both Nineveh are prominently major, major, major areas that are in the news on a continual basis. And just not far back, we had that, uh, you know, the news release that stated, uh, as the Christians the Assyrian Christians were returning to Nineveh. They had the uh, Nineveh rise up move. And, you know, folks, make sure that when we speak of the Assyrian or the Assyrians even, as you'll see some translations will put it in a plural form, like a literal translation from green, we're not talking about the Assyrian Christians. So you have to make sure that you separate your mind from this. The Assyrian Christians are not the quote-unquote um, under the subheading of the bad guys associated with the Assyrian. No. Forces from him shall arise, the Greek is stating, from his seed. We're going to have to recover, I think, some of that again, forces from his seed, from work that we did previous to get everybody to understand this. But nonetheless, these are very specific spots that have come up time and time again. Now, as I go back, once again, to state, once the Iraqi war was launched in 2003, as we progressed forward, 
quite clearly this created a vacuum. And, you know, if you look at this in the context of when the house is swept clean, seven more should come back and take its place. Now, normally, of course, people would associate that with removing demonic entities or deliverance. Yet, when you look at the context, the verse in association with Nineveh rising up and with Yemen, the Queen of the South, then you look at what happened here in Iraq where a vacuum was created. Well, that vacuum, as time progressed, we had two incarnations of Islamic State rise up, or the acronym that really shines light on that would be ISIS. They rose up and is what is modern-day Mosul. Struck Nineveh the same exact day that Nineveh became a government. What does that mean? Well, essentially Iraq had decided they were going to finally allot money towards Nineveh, making it into a governing body. This was something we were covering even extensively as far back as 2012 um, when we were running the uh, first incarnation of End Time Tribune Media with the videos we were doing. Um, one of those videos in there, which I still have the collection, and I might make those available through that channel again, um, we were actually getting uh, messages. Matthew was receiving messages from the Assyrians in Nineveh that were detailing the moves forward for Nineveh to be declared a government again, and it didn't happen until after, quite some time after, uh, for instance, the first time around the ride, when warships were scrambled to Cyprus, which is Chittim in the Bible, at the time of the uh, chemical, or well, even alleged chemical attack in Syria, the details are still all sort of sketchy on that, and it's even more so going on right now. But after that first arrival of warships that came out to Cyprus at the time of Obama, shortly thereafter is when all of a sudden Islamic State really starts coming to the forefront. Now, when you look at the uh, battle plans that ISIS was basically the map, I guess battle plan would be more or less as they were taking back the land of the ancient Assyrian Empire. And you know, this is where you even go back further. If you look at, for instance, the there was, like I said, that was the uh, second incarnation of ISIS. The first, the second was under obviously al Baghdadi, but the first guy, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Something that is key critical that everybody understands is the fact that he uh, he was over in Jordan for an extensive period of time. Why am I bringing up Jordan? Well, when you take into the context, especially in Psalms 83, um, but you bring in the sons of Lot. Now, I mean, folks, if you look at Jordan, the capital itself is named Amman. You have relations to the sons of Lot in Jordan. So it's important that he was sitting there, that he was getting his start there before he moved into Iraq, obviously, and that whole thing broke out there. There's a lot of different documentaries you can find out there about the first um, incarnation of ISIS when he was trying to form this Islamic caliphate. Now, this is something else that draws your attention back around to another very relevant piece of information. Now, we covered this in a program 
uh, previously as well, entitled The Black Flags of Corazon. And I noticed some people have keyed into this, um, you know, out in varied circles, and yet their interpretation is a little bit in left field. Um, the Black Flags of Khorasan is essentially the flag that Islamic State started flying. Now, this relates to the Khorasan province, which you can find stretching from, I believe it's Iran, um, parts of uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan, I believe, are included, and even stretching a little bit further out into possibly Iraq. I can't remember off the top of my head the exact um, area, but this is something you're seeing coming up a lot right now, the Khorasan province with the uh, group that's the ISIS group that's in Afghanistan right now. But the one thing to take note of is ISIS started using this flag due to the fact that this is tied into Islamic prophecies concerning the end dates and that this black flag would rise up from Khorasan. Now, you know, of course, people have associated that taking it towards sort of a negative connotation and to a degree, yes, it would have a negative connotation. But irregardless of the fact that if they are trying to make these prophecies come to pass or if these are literal fulfillments, I think is almost irrelevant. The fact is that things are taking place in their end of prophecies, even as uh, things are going on at the same time that are fulfilling biblical prophecies. And, you know, the same goes, we've got people within a right-wing administration that, you know, for instance, I brought up the infamous Mike Pompeo and even Matthew has alluded to this with his comment about when the rapture comes. There's many that are tied in with varied groups. They have a lot of Bible study groups going on and all kinds of different, different things that are happening within the governing body. That's to a degree, not really the relevant portion. And there's even aspects with what they're doing where you can see that mindset's going on that they are attempting to fulfill certain prophecies as well. I think irregardless of any of that, once again, that's to a degree, it's absolutely irrelevant because these things are coming to pass. So when you look at all of it from that perspective, we go back again to what I was stating, who, who it is that sets up leaders in his time for his purposes in the earth. Well, then we start narrowing all these things down. And actually, I'm going to stop there and then go back to actually the things that Matthew wanted me to discuss then. Because uh, I'm going to let him interject here and then I can go back forward from where he wanted me to bring things up. Um, one last thing though before I hand it back over though another thing that's very important to take note of is Cuts Force um, Cuts Force is obviously in the Arabic tongue, tongue means Jerusalem Force and that's part of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps that's one of their armies now everybody you have to take note of the fact that for instance there was a m- major article that came out from Haaretz this week and they went in there and they detailed from where all these varied groups from Cuds Force are being pulled from. You know, essentially you've got, you know, in our terminology, we could understand that as a mercenary group that's being pulled from many, many areas 
throughout, be it the Middle East, and even going as far over, probably even up to the corridors by Russia, coming down from Afghanistan, Pakistan, quite a few other places. Now, something I actually have not gotten to yet, but I have a strong suspicion if I were to overlay the varied maps of the uh, media Persian Empire and take a look and then compare those different groups that are brought in from these mercenaries. I have this suspicion already right now that you're going to be looking at one in the same map. This long-term starts, once again, it starts bringing about history repeating itself and starts tying in how another way we can look at these prophecies. As Matthew pointed out, these moves that have been taking place, this involves essentially three Leviathans tangling with one another. I'm going to hand it back over for a minute and get some uh, coffee in me here. Well, you did kind of misquote yourself. Let me correct you. Uh, It's not three different Leviathans, ladies and gentlemen. That's one Leviathan with many heads is what it is. But, ladies and gentlemen, just please try to understand. This is the whole reason why uh, we had David Roll on. And looking back, and I especially talked to a dear brother this week, and I didn't realize that he didn't get the whole point as to why we had David Roll on. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason why you have an incredible amount of information in the book of Revelation as to what is going to transpire while the woman is in the wilderness is for one fact and one fact alone. The Hyksos did nothing except seize the opportunity provided by the Lord your God. Okay? Ladies and gentlemen, there is no knowledge of what happened after uh, God obliterated the Egyptian army. You do realize that's when the Hyksos invaded. That's not included in the Bible. The history included in the Bible is, of course, what happened while the children of Israel was in the wilderness. They could not possibly have had any knowledge of what was what was going on the other side of the Red Sea. Now, <clears throat> David Rolla has also brought forward many fantastic details about uh, well, even the slaughter of the innocents, making all the... Uh, academic eschatologists look like fools because he said uh, by the way uh, yeah it really happened we found the uh, we found the babies so uh, and again of course he found the statue with the coat of many colors so you have to understand ladies and gentlemen that The book of Revelation gives you the information that the Exodus does not give you. (laughs) The book of Revelation does nothing more than tell you what's going on in Egypt. Let us be sure. 
In the book of Revelation, the entire planet has become Egypt as this, this system has encompassed the whole planet. So with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we have to realize that we have overt things happening in relationship to those pipelines for one reason. So one reason there's upheaval in Armenia, things are happening in the very place where it's the only place. It's the only place that Israel gets its oil. All of a sudden, Brian randomly looks up and, hey, why is this country so friendly with Israel? Why are they celebrating uh, Israeli festivities? Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is getting serious. This is two attempts by someone to pinch off. Israel's oil. Now, with that in mind, when we look to the scripture and we look to see who the mighty Assyrian brought to bear, you'll take note. You're given a list. This is real. This is happening in real time, ladies and gentlemen. Iran launched missiles into Israel from Syria. Literally speaking, the Prince Asher gave permission to the Prince of Persia to launch an assault into the beautiful land. You better start waking up. Right now, not later. You need to do it now. Right now. I mean, does any of you realize the true ramifications of, of this here? Let me just bring this up really lightly. You need to realize why uh, Zechariah chapter 1 verse 7 says what it says. Okay? I'll read it out of the KJV. Upon the fourth and twentieth day of the eleventh month, which is the month Sabbat. You know what that word is, don't you, ladies and gentlemen? Do you know why Zechariah said that? You don't? Well, let me read that exact word again in a different verse, only this time it has a different Strong's number. But I assure you, it's the same word. Isaiah chapter 10. Verse 5, O Assyrian, the rod of my anger and the staff in their hand is my indignation. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, same word. By the way, do you know where you're at right now? Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, here, let, let me just read from uh, what is standardly known. Uh, Shavat is the fifth month of the civil year, uh, starting in Tishri, 
the 11th month of the elastical calendar, Hebrew calendar, starting in the sun. This is the winter month of 30 days. The Shabbat usually occurs in January and February in the Gregorian calendar. The name of the month was taken from the, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, Assyrian during the Babylonian captivity. The assumed Assyrian origin of the month Sabbatu meaning strike. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, because it refers to the heavy rains in the season, the storms. In Jewish sources, the month is the first mentioned by this name by the prophet Zechariah. So, ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand. I mean, we <clears throat> we may even do a Facebook engage on a different topic that covers the same thing. You need to realize that. Um, when the Lord calls the Assyrian his rod and his anger, well, that kind of means something that's way off the charts biblically. I mean, let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about Genesis 49, verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Do you not know? Have you not read? You better look at the verse again, and I don't mean in the KJV, because whether you like it or not, of course they give it a different Strong's number to make sure you couldn't see it. Ah, oh, but you can't keep it from the likes of me. Right there in the verses, what? What's that word? Yeah, exactly what God calls the Assyrian in Isaiah chapter 10. So if you don't think that he's not going to be used for the gathering, well, not of your people, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, no. The gathering of the Lord, thy God's people. You don't realize that he's going to be used exclusively for this purpose. You're daft. You're something else. I don't know if you're you're Hindu or Buddhist or whatever you want to be. I really don't care. But you obviously don't believe what comes out of God's mouth because I just told you what he said, and that's what he meant. He didn't mean anything else. Ladies and gentlemen, you never use a standing official military organization to launch – a third party from a second party country, you don't do that. That's exactly what Iran just did. We should be a world at war right now, but for some reason, the trumpeteers seem to be silent on the simple fact that we didn't take any action to defend the beautiful land. And now you know why. You better set up. Put your seatbelts on. Get your trays in the upright position, ladies and gentlemen. Because beyond any shadow of a doubt, whether you like it or not, the princes are real, and they've really run the show. 
and the prince of Assyria just gave permission to the prince of Persia to launch an assault into the beautiful land. And if you're not worried, it's because you just don't have the wherewithal to believe whatever God come, you know, whatever it is that comes out of God's mouth. You just don't believe him, you just reject him. I mean, my God, I just had a, a conversation today with my favorite sister, okay? And oh my goodness, we get on you know, she's rather frustrated. She's she gets frustrated with her fellow Christians that are there that are, are her associates. I didn't say they were her siblings, I said they were her associates. Because uh she can't seem to get it out of their heads that you should read the Bible and figure out that no Antichrist is that's actually from a movie. That's pure entertainment eschatology. I mean, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you, you need to come to grips with this, that the reason why – do I really have to talk about the, you, you know what? I, I should talk about this. Look, in the movie, The Omen, ladies and gentlemen, do you realize that uh, Damien's mama was a jackal? Do you know why? I was during the same period of time when the same people that was, well, actually doing the work on that movie – Realize that's when they switched it over because the KJV for that word used dragons, but the new versions that they wanted to send out into all the churches, it uses what? Yeah, that's right, jackal. That's why, what, twice in uh, the final Omen movie, uh, Damien himself uses the word rapture twice? Yeah, that's why. That's why. And, you know, back to this topic of a Facebook engage I may do. You need to understand that, uh, well, look, they were not sacrificing to Asher when they crossed the Red Sea, ladies and gentlemen, because they didn't make his sign. They made a different image. So you need to understand uh, – actually, that's important. Did you know that was important? Not the presidential election. You, you didn't realize that that was actually important? You were supposed to know that? Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, uh, Brian brought up Barack Obama and, you know, uh, what happened uh, with the gathering of the warships at Kittim. Now, let me translate that for you into uh, entertainment lingo. That's Cyprus. Okay? But no, he wasn't the Antichrist. Okay? Brian, I never insinuated that any president was. A replay of a Richard Donner film. We, we never insinuated that. But what is going on the ground right now, it's real, and you need to know where you're going. <laughs> it's really important that you do because let me tell you something. If you're not prepared, this is why I do what I do. This is why Brian does what he does because we are afraid that when you really do have an encounter 
um, and he who sitteth upon the throne really does have his day, we're afraid your faith's going to snap like a twig. Now look, it is greatly documented by the Lord your God. Isaiah, Revelation, it's really all over the place. He's going to have his day, and on that day, you're going to know exactly what's going on. I hope you don't wait until that day to finally believe what's come out of his mouth. So you can prepare yourself and get your garments white. Because right now, what you're doing – now let me make this clear. What you're doing – that's what matters. How you act, that's what matters. Because, you know, ladies and gentlemen, there are little tidbits of wisdom out in the secular world, and this is true. If it walks like a duck… Quacks like a duck, and it's, it swims like a duck. It's a duck. If it hunts duck, if it eats duck, it's not a duck, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're acting like a bird of prey, you're obviously not a duck. You are what you are. So with that in mind, now that we have clear evidence of a pact being made and a leviathan being formed, you need to shut off the entertainment industry. You need to turn it off. Because he who sits upon the throne is going to have his day. And by God, he is going to use the Assyrian to accomplish it. You don't have to believe it. But Isaiah, the sixth chapter of Revelation... The sixth seal describes that he tells you thousands of years in advance that on that day, the rich, the poor, lottie dotty, everybody don't have any more questions, and nobody's looking for the Antichrist. Well, that's why the Antichrist doesn't get thrown into the lake of fire. Oh my goodness, you all didn't realize that? Yeah, it's just the beast and the false prophet that gets thrown into the lake of fire because there is no Antichrist. You didn't know that? That's because you've been lied to. You've been entertained to the point of death. And if you don't die before the great day of you set upon the throne, you're going to have yourself a Salah moment. And when you do, I hope your faith doesn't snap like a twig. Because make no mistakes about it. The Lord your God will bear his rod and his rod. Is the Assyrian, whether you like it or not. But you'll find out. You'll find out whatever comes out of God's mouth, that's what's true. And not what the entertainment industry uh, pays Richard Donner to make up. Oh my goodness. All you eschatology experts out there that are really Christian conspiracy theorists, you didn't realize that's why… They said in the Omen series that Damien's mama was a jackal. Yeah, because the uh, KJV uses dragon, but at the – now look up the time. Look up the time frame, ladies and gentlemen. Look up your history and figure out when these new translations was unleashed upon the church 
by the same publishing companies, by the way, that switched the word to jackal. You just didn't have the wherewithal to realize what they had done to you. Because you believe what they say and not what God says. But you will. You, you will. You will believe it. So I hope I've got your attention. Okay? And what's going to happen while you're in a place that's been prepared for you, protected, while you're there, what's going to be happening on the rest of the planet is what happened in Egypt after God obliterated the Egyptian army and the Hyksos walked right in and took over. That's what's going to happen. Okay? Do you understand now? Okay, that's what's going to happen. Really unpleasant things when the foreign army takes over in Egypt. It ain't going to be pleasant, just so you know. Brian, back to you, please. Well, that's, uh, that's a good thing. Back to me, because... Sort of bring things back over to where we're headed with this. Now, everybody, take note of the date that uh, Donald Trump decided that they were going to leave the Iranian nuclear accords. Um, It's very important to understand that that date was actually supposed to be the announcement for that was up till the time of the 12th of May. Yet the decision was made to do this on the 8th of May. Now, there was about a 24-hour period previous to that, and it might have even been 12, in which I caught the story through Reuters that the announcement was going to be made that next day on the 8th. And it really began to sort of gnaw away at me. I kept asking myself, why in the world did they move this up uh, four days? Now, whatever the reasoning may be, I'm not certain. But the fact that remains in this is something else besides what happened with that announcement also took place to the east. In Armenia, which in ancient times was known as Uratu, or to break it down even further, as we discussed in our program concerning uh, Asher and the Velvet Revolution, Asher the Assyrian, it's the land of the Chaldeans. And genetically speaking, J2, the line that is directly associated with the descendants of Shem, Arpachshad. One and the same, or Akasadim, or Ur the Chaldees. Armenia, you have two groups of people there, genetically speaking. You have J2, not J1. Why am I stating that? Why DNA, J1, is connected to the people that are considered to be Arabians? Well, who are the Arabians? Break it down to a degree. We can start with Ishmael, then we move forward to groups associated through there. 
how do we put this? They're another branch. But J2 itself is specifically associated with Shem. Ura 2, that is uh, referred to in the Bible, for instance, I believe it's Jeremiah off the top of my head, refers to uh, Ararat, Mini, and Ashkenaz. Now, Ararat, technically speaking, that's the ancient kingdom of Uratu. Mini, that's the ancient kingdom of the Maniid. Now, Uratu and Manian, they're not the same. Sometimes some of the uh, varied historians have overlaid the two of them and sort of confused things, bringing uh, the Manians into being Armenia. It's not. It's the ancient Manian Empire that was in Azerbaijan, the nation, not the northern part of Iran. Once again, this is important in the historical scheme of things. Ashkenaz, well, as far as the uh, family trees are concerned, as in the Table of Nations, that's the son of Japheth. Ashkenaz, they were also known as the Saka Tigrahuda or even the Saka branches in the tribal groupings of the Scythian. Most information we can get from the ancient text, for instance, will get, obviously, Herodotus. You cannot make the Scythian a branch of just one people. That's not how things ever worked in Central Asia. <clears throat> so the Bible specifically tells us this, this grouping of people was there in that time. And that at one time around the ride, of course, they were used to bring about the destruction of those nations. Be it Babylon, some ties in with some of the things with Assyria's destruction, but this is where it gets tricky. And historically speaking, this is where things become important. The Manian Empire itself, which would be comprised of what is modern-day Azerbaijan, the nation, by the Caspian Sea, Baku, which paid very close attention, like Matthew brought up, oil. Well, the numbers is actually two-thirds of all other oil is coming from there. I have not had time to double-check this, but I have my suspicions that the other one-third may be associated with Kazakhstan. Why am I bringing up Kazakhstan? Well, in the same set of press releases, for instance, once again, Azerbaijan, the 70th anniversary celebration in April in the United States, a very strange thing appeared, and Haaretz was all over this, started pointing out all the major important details, not to even mention how peculiar this was. In the United States, a group between a rabbi and a couple of different uh, Christian church groups hosted uh, people from Israel, people from Azerbaijan, and they put the six-point star, the Star of David, up with the two flags, Israel, Azerbaijan, celebrating, of course, their very deep ties with this nation, the very deep ties, especially even with the business dealings of this nation. And like Koretz points out, 
this is a very peculiar thing to be drawing everybody's attention to at the time of, on the Hebrew calendar, the 70th anniversary of Israel. Why do I say on the Hebrew calendar? Well, for instance, the date coming up here, which is obviously one that everybody needs to watch in this coming week. That is, according to, in their terminology, the civil calendar. In our understanding, we could call that the Gregorian calendar, the solar calendar. It all varies on how you want to state that. But nonetheless, you have this amplified, this connector between these two nations. You find out you have two-thirds of the oil that Israel is currently bringing into their nation and is coming from Azerbaijan. Now, why did I bring up Kazakhstan? Well, this is also important because Netanyahu, in one of his last trips out into that region, had basically went to Kazakhstan, which, of course, we've had the Astana-Kazakhstan peace agreements have been trying, taking place between Syria, Russia, Iran, and obviously varied groupings in there trying to bring this conflict to a close in Syria. Astana, Kazakhstan as well is also the place that the vast majority of scholars and with a plethora of archaeological data and all sorts of things state that that's where horses were domesticated. Astana, Kazakhstan is also important in light of what I brought up earlier concerning Ashkenaz, specifically the Saka Tiger Huda branch, which is what? The Scythian with pointy hats. As I've stated before, that's the Magi, folks. Once again, we'll get to that down the road. That's a show that has been long in the coming, and I've been far overdue with all the work I've done on that to get that information out there. But it brings up the fact that uh, they essentially are celebrating the connection between Azerbaijan and Kazakhstan. Why? Because, well, for one, Kazakhstan, after the Soviet Union was beginning to fall, or even leading up to that, we had oil dealings, for instance, between BP, and we had some majorly important American companies out there as well. Um, there's a uh, Jewish man as well that was involved in the 1947 uh uh, 1947 Israel that was bringing about, obviously, the 1948 Declaration of Israel becoming a nation, coming to pass. That was also involved with these oil dealings that opened up, uh, I believe it's called 10 Degrees off the top of my head, which is one of the biggest oil reserves they have found out by what is now modern-day Kazakhstan. And, you know, bringing it back around, like I stated before, this is where you had Netanyahu was out meeting with the leaders of Kazakhstan and Azerbaijan, and once again talking about how close those nations are, how it is that nations that have you know, a fairly large population of Muslims can get along with Israel, which, of course, yes, that's, that's true. And there's more details that go into that. But to kind of draw that background just to give people a little bit of an understanding of why I've really fixed in on Azerbaijan and Armenia as of lately. Just to wrap it back around to that announcement, Donald Trump 
surprisingly changes the date because, like I stated before, it was not until the 12th that he had to make that announcement. Yet he made it on the 8th. True me. Just completely bonkers. I couldn't figure out why did he do it on the 8th. All of a sudden, I'm sitting here um, on the couch after I got done doing my work on the computer. And I'm just mulling this over in my head. And I looked at my wife and I said, wait a minute. What is the date again? She goes, 8th. Then it hit me. I went, oh, no. Double-checked it. Sure enough. Pashayin, who was the essentially the leader that started the Velvet Revolution in Armenia, was up for his second vote for the seat of prime minister. The first vote, the um, Republican Party there within their governing body basically made it so that he was not able to get in. Of course, in the uh, days that followed, discussions were made. They changed the number of how many within the uh, voting body within their governing system had to uh, support the nomination for prime minister. They changed the number. Some of the Republicans decided they were going to back him. But regardless of the fact that changing the numbers, what had more to do with the results of the election than anything. So, of course, on that very day, on the 8th, the leader of the Velvet Revolution, Pashayin, is also voted in. Excuse me. <coughs> one moment. I need to drink some water here. Brian, but can we as take I a stated, break right I'm, now? Well, let I'm me sorry. finish this. Let me finish this so people understand how this connects. All right. So once again, like I stated, it's on that very exact same day that Pashayin is voted in. Now, when you begin to look at this entire scenario, starting with the Velvet Revolution, you take it all the way forward, you start looking at the underlying factors that are going on here. For one, Pashayin's past. If you go very a few years backwards to the time of the last elections, he was involved with a set of protests that got a number of people were killed in those protests. He spent time in prison. Um, prior to him moving into the political realm, he started out as a journalist. Then he essentially formed his own party, which to break it down in our tongue means get out party. And this has to do with breaking uh, ties with uh, uh, basically the Eurasian uh, trade scheme, which is connected into Russia and all that. But he started his party. He was running for that uh, for that role, uh, be it prime minister, be it president. And his party had gotten was moving just a small number of people in. Uh, part of the reason this last protest just happened, for that matter, is because of the fact that uh, we had this um, prime minister that just was ousted in this uh, velvet revolution, he essentially went from one position as a president, put himself in power as a prime minister, and then turned around and changed their constitution, essentially, so that he could just completely keep power. A lot of this Republican Party is tied in with the Russian gas firm, Gazprom. You know, so like I was getting to, when you look at this revolution, at first glance, you you get the idea that maybe the West has something to do with this because this does have, to a degree, some hallmarks of 
past engagements, you know, for instance, stuff that happened with Ukraine, Georgia, and all that. But then you look at it again, and you go, well, there's no trouble being stirred up with Russia. And things seem to be sort of Well, sort of, you kind of get down to the conclusion. There's only one hidden arm that, in all probability, is behind this move with Pashai. The events played out as they should, and yet this is where things are starting to get rather heated. In Azerbaijan is a breakaway section that's known as Nargamo Karbakh. There's been wars going on since after um, Azerbaijan declared its independence after the fall of the Soviet Union. It is essentially, it's also known as Artsakh. It is made up of Armenians. It's long, drawn out history with this war. Folks, go look into this. It's very important. This is a major spot of contention between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Yesterday, two news stories came out detailing that Pashayin is in the midst of strengthening their army. At the same time, in that same span, Azerbaijan is doing the very same thing. By all appearances, this could be leading to war. Now, when Pashayin came into power in Armenia, the very next day, he did something that severely angered the Azerbaijanis. He immediately got up and went out to Nargamo Karbak. He stated that if there's any peace talks within the current, um, basically, negotiations for peace that have been standing here on and off throughout all these years, that this group of people in Nargamo Karbak or Atsark have to be at the table. Yet this is not flying too well with the leaders of Azerbaijan, being that it's breakaway, all of the chaos it's caused with these wars there with them basically trying to break away within this section inside of Azerbaijan. This is causing so much contention, it's unbelievable. We had one breakout in 2016 within this war, and this thing has no end in sight. With the way things are currently standing, this leader gets voted in, and within hours, the first thing he does is already starts pushing Azerbaijan in a direction where this may go to a place that we're not going to like. When we break this back around to what I was bringing up about Ura 2 and the Manians, during the time of the Assyrian kings, many of them that are mentioned very specifically in the Bible that we need to have our historical isochronal understanding of, the Meneans weren't allied with them, with the Assyrians. Now, the kings of Armenia or Aratu were coming in, trying to set up puppet leaders that would essentially take those reins. And then... They, the Assyrians would have to come in and they would have to fight them off. And this just kept going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. They were aligned with the Assyrians. 
context of that when you have, for instance, Rabshaka comes in and he makes the threats to Hezekiah. You'll get a list of countries and you'll notice that when you really start breaking it down that the Manians are not mentioned in there. Taking this further in history, Alexander the Great. We've been told that we need to understand the history with Alexander the Great so that we can see the Assyrian rising, which obviously ties in the two horns of Media and Persia. When you start wrapping all these events around, you realize on top of it that Darius III, for instance, up there, his army's up by Azerbaijan. Well, they're known, and at least our text, they used to be in the ancient text, the Albans, which refers to the Albanians, not the Balkan Albanians. They now have termed them the Caucasus Albanians. But nonetheless, that's one group that's listed. They were known as the Caspi or Caspian people. There's all kinds of different names that keep getting associated with those living around here. When Alexander the Great was in power, that king obviously was fighting with Darius III. As things went forward and progressed, Alexander set up Atropates as a satrapy over the region. Now, Azerbaijan would have been considered part of Media Minor. Are they the Medes current day? No. Nonetheless, that was part of that kingdom. For instance, the rightful heir to the throne, Perdiccas, married the daughter of Atropatines. You kind of begin to realize how important that is if you understand what played out during the war of the Diodaci or the successors to Alexander's kingdom. Because those wars really didn't need to take place when Alexander handed his ring to him, But they did, because they were supposed to. These two connecting dots, be it what is happening with the two horns of media Persia, because both Medes and Persians are living in what is modern-day Iran. The genetic data proves this because one of them comes through that RYDNA strand, which is a smaller portion. We know specifically from the Table of Nations that Madai, the Medes, are through JFET. We have a higher concentration of J2. Now, why am I bringing up J2? Because the original king, Cyrus the Great, or Cyrus II, is even referred to when you start looking through those lines of kings. His title was the king of Anshan. This caused great controversy amongst many academics. They fight back and forth. Well, that doesn't mean that the Persians were Elamites and this whole thing spins. But there's Iranian scholars that have been doing immense amounts of work. I pick up their periodicals from time to time because they cost a good 40 bucks. And they continue to point out the fact, look, Cyrus, the king of Anshan, was an Elamite. Elam, Alam, a descendant of Shem. Once again, we're back to the Y-DNA root of J2 like I brought up before. And Modern-day Iran, it's made up of the same grouping of people with that JT2 Y-DNA. It's one of the highest concentrations within the percentile range of modern-day Iranians. So now when you look at prophecies pertaining to media Persia, well, guess what? 
not only do you look at those, but then you begin to realize that you also need to look at the prophecies referring to Elam because they are one and the same. This is why Cyrus came in calling himself Cyrus, the king of Anshan. Darius the Great, when he came in and usurped the throne, ending the line of Cyrus the Great. Okay, it was a coup. He took that throne, folks. That's the fact of the matter. Okay, that's when all of a sudden the title Akhamenid was being used. Leave it there. We'll go to a break. Leave it there and go to a break. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Brian was just making references to uh, study notes that he put together for everybody. One of them is Armenia and the Chaldeans. The other one, you need to get a firm grip on all the work that Brian did on the Queen of Babylon. He entitled that one, The Queen of Babylon. You need to know uh, who, what, where, and when she was. I'll pass those off to Deb to make sure everybody can take a look at those show notes. His seed has truly... Uh, Matthew, let me interject. Those are actually up on both websites, over at Tension Show, and they're up on, uh, well, the old website, endtimetribunemedia.com. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be right. putting everything there from now on out anyway. So Overt Attention Show is still going to exist, but it's kind of, well, it's been put aside. It's that simple. Uh, all right. Well, I just have the links you gave me to the OneDrive. That's what I was going to pass along. I didn't know that you had them over on the website. So at any rate, ladies and gentlemen, you need to consult those so you know what's going on, Okay. Because this is real. This isn't part of the entertainment industry, okay? It's really not. I mean, uh, it's, it's really not. Okay, and you need to come to a reckoning of that. All right? Here. Let's just look at the facts. You realize that uh, the first movie in the Thief of the Night series came out in 72, right? You all know that? Or have you all not put two and two together yet? Okay, because the Omen came out in 76, right? And then the second movie in the Thief in the Night series came out in 78. You remember that year, right? Yeah, it's the same year that the second Omen movie came out. You realize that, right? And then you had... The third in the installment, Image of the Beast, which came out in 19, what, 81. And then you realize that uh, the final Omen movie came out in 81, right? And then the Prodigal Planet, the last in the Thief Behind series, came out in 1983. So it was seven movies all released together. That's how most of you get your eschatology. Is from the Thief in the Night series and the Omen. And ladies and gentlemen, that's just straight up, flat out. Well, I don't have to say it, do I? Because you already know. 
We'll cover some really important stuff that's true that come out of God's mouth for the break. Isaiah 34. Come near, ye nations, to hear, and hearken, ye people, that the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them, he hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their host shall fall down as the leaf falleth off from the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea, and upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness, and with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord hath a sacrifice in Bozrah, and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. And the unicorn shall come down with them, and the bullocks with the bulls, and their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust made fat with fatness. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. And the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night nor day, the smoke thereof shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. But the cormorant and the bittern shall possess it. The owl also and the raven shall dwell in it. And he shall stretch out upon it the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. They shall call the nobles thereof to the kingdom, but none shall be there. And all her princes shall be nothing. And thorns shall come up in her palaces, nettles and brambles in the fortresses thereof. And it shall be an habitation of dragons, and a court for owls. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island. And the satyr shall cry to his fellow. The screech owl also shall rest there, and find for herself a place of rest. There shall the great owl make her nest, and lay, and hatch, and gather under her shadow. There shall the vultures also be gathered, every one with her mate. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord, and read, No one of these shall fail. None shall want her mate. For my mouth it hath commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. And he hath cast the lot for them, and his hand hath divided it unto them by line. They shall possess it forever. From generation to generation shall they dwell therein. Revelation 6 And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. 
And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering, and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll when it was rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. Just getting uh, all the notes from Brian here. If you go to End Time Tribune Media, you're going to have to click on More Post. And from there, uh, you can look up uh, the show notes he did, Asher Rides the Velvet Revolution. Now, halfway down that page, he has included, with all that stuff, uh, about Armenia he has included all the, sh the notes he made up for uh, the Queen of Babylon being at a golpe. So it's all one great big post there. It's just kind of hard to get to from the End Time Tribune Media homepage. But like I said, just, just click on more posts and then, then, then it will pop up. But um, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, this is getting real live and late breaking. Uh, Brian just sent me a message, and for some reason my Skype's not sending him the message that uh, I'm sending him. Um, 
he had to bring up a bomb. How can we only have uh, less than a half hour? Let me look at the switchboard. We've only got 22 minutes left, and we still have to talk about a very good prophetic event that, that that's coming up. But I've been hesitant. I have told one other person about it. Uh, our Brian Keith, our uh, our brother Keith, and uh, only because he asked me about it specifically, so I told him what was coming up. So I'm not sure what Brian is wanting to talk about that, uh, but he needs to use the 22 minutes that we have remaining. Um, and I guess, well, we'll do it. We always do. Let the Holy Spirit decide what we're going to do with our last 22 minutes. So, Brian, jump back on. Well, that's, uh, you know, where I think I should start breaking some of these things down a little bit. Um, you know, I brought up, men- I previously mentioned that uh, one of our listeners made some uh, statements earlier this week. And, you know, I think the most important thing that he said is we need to know where this is going. And I agree. I absolutely agree with that. And that that's sort of the key element here is breaking this down. Where is this headed? Now, of course, you know, we have events that are coming up here on the date of the, on the civil calendar, the Gregorian calendar in May, which is obviously the... Uh, 70th anniversary of the Declaration of Israel as a nation, according to the UN resolutions, obviously, and also what the um, what the Palestinian people refer to as Nabka Day. We have all these colliding factors coming together on that day by itself. Obviously, the United States is moving their embassy um, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem that day as well. And they expect just massive, massive, massive um, protests and possibility of all kinds of skirmishes breaking out and everything else. You know, something else that everybody should take note of here is within events transpiring related to Gaza. Obviously, we've had all these protests that have been taking place here as well. And uh, there's going to be some explicit detail that we're going to be doing in the program that's going to be on End Time Tribune Media that'll be entitled, uh, we've called that series The Crucible. This is going to be part two, where we're going to start talking more about this history concerning Alexander. You get some interesting um, historical ramifications from even looking at the sections in Josephus that brings up Alexander the Great. If you look at the historical ramifications, you find out that you have a small siege on Gaza that only lasted a specific set of time, which one of the areas I saw stated two months. That really caught me off guard because when you consider when that Passover uh, first protest started and you roll it forward to where we're headed here in May, it really begins to concern you when you understand this from the historical ramifications of Alexander the Great. But there's been uh, some articles that have been released concerning what is leading up to this date. 
and concerns about something I have brought up several times with, for instance, you know, dependent on if we want to label the king of the south, if we want to go to the actual region of the Negev or down by the Sinai Peninsula with obviously the king down there or the leader would be Sisi. He's having major problems in the Sinai Peninsula. And I mean, this is not even, I, I would say major problems is almost an understatement because we have a massive, massive, massive flare-up of Islamic State, ISIS, same thing, right there in the Sinai Peninsula. And as we pointed out before, this is directly correlated to the Syrians' forces from him will rise. Let me kind of reiterate that in the Greek. It tells you something very enlightening. Um, forces from his seed. Let's just state it that way. From his seed shall arise. And you understand that when you take all of the listings of every group of people that was uprooted and moved by the ancient Assyrian Empire, where they were moved, so on and so forth. And you begin to see in quite extensive clarity that these people even associated with Islamic State and obviously more groups are definitely part of the Assyrians' seed from his forces, which is plural. That means we're going to have multiple groupings. On top of it, how do we know this as well with ISIS? We'll break it down back to when we first did our first program on ISIS, when I stumbled onto this on from a documentary from Al Jazeera. And in there is being interviewed three different major people that were associated with the formation of ISIS in that prison camp that was in Iraq at that time with the secondary formation, how they were all basically moved into this one prison camp. And vast majority of the people have looked at this and have stated this prison camp was the crux, was the um, unintentional blowback result that formed ISIS. When that was going on, there was a man that was coming in there. Nobody knew who he was. They never saw his face. He was always hiding in the shadows. He didn't speak in their uh, lingo. It wasn't a pan-Arabic, none of it. Yet he was the one that was calling the shots as al-Baghdadi was forming ISIS. Now, if you look at Psalms 83 and you break that Hebrew down, you're going to realize real quickly that what is being described with this man that was showing up at that camp during the formation of ISIS is the exact and absolute representation of the Assyrian. And it's, it really brings it to light when you watch the video clip. Now, I have that video clip up where I just took a little part from that documentary and I put that up on the Overt Attention Show YouTube channel. Well, I'm going to be moving that stuff over to the End Time Tribune Media YouTube channel. And that's where all the videos we're possibly going to do and have done. They're all going to end up there. But you can see this in broad daylight. Now, wrapping it back around to what we have breaking out here on the 15th. 
They're concerned that ISIS may end up getting involved in this as well. On top of it this week, we also had in Jordan and Turkey, Muslim Brotherhood protesting the move of the embassy and everything else. So once again, we've got all these connecting parallels pushing towards this one day on that 70th anniversary. Now, I've talked about Muslim Brotherhood extensively in the past. At some point, we can maybe go over the history of it again, but right now is not the time. They're important in all of this. So we have this small spiral of events happening on the 70th anniversary. Now, I think it's something that's important to take note of. And, you know, obviously, last year we had uh, Donald Trump recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Everybody, you need to remember something, though. He was not the first to do it. Matter of fact, Russia recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel previous to this. Now, when that announcement was made, you know, this is one I had already for the most part, have wrapped up all my work tying in the Table of Nations to the real location of the land of Magog, bringing in all of the major players, putting them in their proper position. Once again, that's a different program. Point is, Russia has nothing to do with the War of Gog and Magog. It never did. Now, it was at that time that I had really gotten frustrated because when you look at the Balkans, Eastern Europe, which is where the land of Magog is how do I know that? That's the Mygar people. That's in modern day Hungary. Okay, they went into Central Asia and then returned to their homeland. This is documented through a vast amount of archaeology. Not to even mention once again the genetics line up. It is exactly who it's supposed to be. Whereas the Slavic people, they have a completely different history. Okay, and everybody, well, when you look up the Slavs, they say, well, we don't know who they are. They just showed up on the scene. Look, that's, that's nonsense. But they are a very specific group that was named by Herodotus, by a Greek name. In the Bible, it's, and Josephus even adds more elements into it. In the Bible, they're referred to as Rafat. Josephus gives us the indication that they're found by the Riphian Mountains. Well, you look into ancient geography and you get to play a game with ancient geography trying to locate exactly what was being referred to by Riphian Mountains. And you're going to lock it into multiple little areas. But regardless of that, this is a group of people that was on the steps. Their main jobs that they were keeping from ancient times, the people of Rafah, they were farmers. And you'll find out on top of it when you go throughout Central Asian history, they had entire areas that were set up as metal workshops. They were metalsmiths. Okay, with that forward, think about what the communist Soviet Union flag used. They used the hammer. They used the sickle. They are telling you in broad daylight that we are these exact group of people, Rafat, that lived through here. Now, this is a brief summary. Because I, I brought this up time and time again. If we don't have our proper players in the proper place, we keep looking in all the wrong directions. Okay, Russia is not Rosh. Uh, Moscow is not Meshach. All the other variables that they tried to bring in since the uh, late 1800s and the 1900s. 
It's not the case. Irregardless of that, everybody, you have to remember that Russia made that declaration first. As we've rolled all this forward and we're moving up on the 70th anniversary, obviously now we've had this announcement made with what's happening here with the two horns with uh, media Persia, which are all in modern-day Iran. Things are moving slowly in a progression. We don't know what's going to happen this week. We're going to have to wait and see. But what we do know is if we look at our historical references, study this with the Bible, looking at the very specific places that God told us to look, which is in this current circumstance, if we're looking for the rise of the Assyrian, then we need to pay attention to at least one starting position being in Daniel 8. That means we need to look at the history of what it represented, isochronally speaking, which was obviously Alexander the Great. Then we have to break down all of that. Is there going to be a war between Israel and Iran as we speak any moment? Things have to progress and have to build. The things that are floating out there that Israel is going to attack Iran, the likeliness of that as in a full-scale assault, I don't know. What I do know is, again, that we have to follow what happened with Alexander the Great. And we know that this Western-backed coalition, why do I say Western-backed? Well, Western world has a lot of roots going back to Alexander the Great. And I mean, I want to point this out there because I noticed, you know, a couple of our listeners were making mention of the um, nationalist versus globalist threat. You know, it's rather interesting that a lot of historians actually credit Alexander as being the first quote unquote globalist. Kind of interesting in light of that. I can see where they're coming from with these ancient historians. Nonetheless, we have to look at these patternings. As we line things up with the history of Alexander the Great, looking at each little specific area and moving things across through those chronologies, we're going to see some massive, massive correlations that are important. As I stated, we have this text in the book of Josephus. For instance, I have, um, because I've got this in hard copy and obviously a Kindle version, um, if you start with, uh, depending on how they number it, it's going to be, I think it's starting in uh, chapter 11, and then it's, uh, or the heading of 11, and then it's chapter 8 itself where it starts in this numbering. And according to the um, piece I'm writing right now, it's numbered a different way. And like I said, writing right now, you can ask Matthew, I spent most of the night on this. It's already at 16 pages. It's not even near its conclusion. I've got at least a couple of weeks of work to put into this. But we got to follow these patternings. And that's where Matthew kind of mentioned something. We have a certain eclipse. That's about to come up here. This eclipse has got connecting factors with the Battle of Gagamilla, which was in 331 B.C. and approximately around October 1st. We have this tied directly to a Babylonian tablet that was found that essentially stated it was predicting a great omen. There's all kinds of things in this actual text that 
I got a hold of and I sent all the links and then backed them up myself um, of this Babylonian text, this tablet. I think I'm going to let Matthew quickly explain that eclipse and this tablet because we're only touching on this now to let people know where this is headed because we're going to see a rolling progression here as things continue forward if everything continues on its current path. Well, down to five minutes. Um, First off, let me say this. I'm certainly not going to tell you everything. And really the eclipse is the smaller portion of what's really going on in that field of vision whenever this eclipse takes place. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, we had an eclipse just like it, and it actually played a major role in the battle that took that place that year in October between Alexander and Darius. It's coming up in July. But like I said, there's something else that's taking place in that same field of vision that uh, no one has talked about. Um, At present moment, The only people that actually know what's going to happen is Brian and Clinton and uh, my brother Keith. That's it. No one else knows what's going to transpire that night. So that's all I'm going to say. We're obviously going to have to cover this at some point uh, in the future on some broadcast. I'm not sure which. But ladies and gentlemen, that eclipse directly helped Alexander defeat Darius. Uh, It's absolutely amazing. But um, more closer to home, other portents that are going to occur is going to hit a little bit closer to home. just a little bit closer to home. I do want to remind everybody uh, that uh, coming up on the 20th is Shavuot. Be in prayer for that as God is expecting us to remember the giving of the law. May the 20th. Boy, how quickly time flies. So much I should have given myself. Those Isaiah chapter 10, when the Lord our God calls the mighty Assyrian not only his rod, but his axe. And what that means. Where God elsewhere uses those same exact words. And you're supposed to know where exactly he uses those words in other prophetic texts. But of course you don't. You don't know. 
because you've been caught up in the entertainment industry. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, like I had a talk today with my sister, you know, it's pathetic. If you remove the rapture and the Antichrist out of everybody's uh, eschatological knowledge, they don't know nothing. That's all they know. I mean, from there, they might know about the four writers, but that's about it. And like I said, even about the four writers, I don't realize that when God said uh, when these things happened in Zechariah, right there he was. Yeah, it's – they give you the Strong's number for a particular month. You need to look at it. That's the same exact thing that God said Asher was. So if you need a hint, you don't have a clue. You, you don't have a remote clue. You've been studying entertainment eschatology. That's what you've been studying your whole life. And of course the main mantra that I always get is I've been studying it for 20 years. Really? Well, how many times have you read – oh, I don't know – the late great planet Earth, and how many times have you watched the Omen series and the Thief in the Night series and the Left Behind series? Because if you're counting that in the years logged – that don't count toward, uh, well, whatever it is you want to call it. That, those are lost man hours. That's wasted time. You you wasted your time. I mean, I can't wait to get the emails this week about, really, I looked it up. It's true what you said. My entertainment eschatologist that I pay on a monthly basis, I mean, good grief. I got my PayPal set to automatically send him my tithe every month, and he didn't tell me the reason why that Damien's mom was a jackal. Because it was crossed between the English translations, between the KJV Dragon and the new translations used for jackal. Wow, man. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, them SS shepherds of Ezekiel 34 sure are devouring the fat sheep, no doubt about it. Already into overdrive. We are off the live broadcast already. It's just... Brian is going to do some major work. I do not appreciate how he sent me that post. Uh, he included the Queen of Babylon post in that one, so it's halfway down. I mean, it's like a thou. It's probably three thousand words down on the page. Don't worry, we'll get everything straightened out. That website, of course, has to has a menu. But he sent me a message saying he's trying to fix it, but. That's what you do in order to get to the menu to find stuff. You have to click on um, more post. So we're going to be doing a broadcast otherwise um, over there on End Time Tribune Media, as Brian mentioned. We have the Crucible series to address. We also need to continue on with WI2C Radio, finish the book of Revelation, and we're going to move on to the Apocalypse of Isaiah, which don't let them lie to you now. 
It's not four chapters long. It's 11 chapters long, just so you know. Um, critically important information that, you, well, God's expecting you to know it, everything that it says. I mean, you should already have the book of Asaph memorized by now because he literally tells you everything just just, just the same way. So uh, you might want to get a hold of our broadcast we did with David Roll and um, listen to it uh, with the background knowledge this time that, well, the book of Revelation gives you the prophetic information about what happened in Egypt after the Hyksos invasion. Okay, but you don't – the Old Testament doesn't tell you those details because, well, it, it details – the time spent in the wilderness. So that's important. I also have to do a show tomorrow uh, with our brother Thames concerning Psalms 55. Uh, I also talked to Derek from 1870 this week. He's been hard at work uh, in Bible study in his church. And uh, now that his kids are out for the summer break, he's going to be coming on to do some roundtables with us. So back to biblification. Back to doing what I do best, and well, nobody does better. Not in this tongue, anyway. Uh, well, of course, going to have to, uh, Brian and I is going to have to make time uh, for the things I lightly mentioned today. Number one being Isaiah chapter 10, and uh, the Assyrian being God's axe and his rod. And we're also going to have to cover this uh, prophetic sign in the heavens coming up that nobody even has a remote clue about. And then I've been so hesitant to share with that, with anybody. Um, we're going to have to do all that stuff. Um, so we got a lot to do. So uh, look for stuff over there. I guess uh, Brian may mention tonight that the Over Detention show is going to be retired, I guess, or outright deleted, whatever. Whatever has to happen, I don't care. I, I mean, give me a break. It doesn't matter. Uh, Brian and I have done how many broadcasts now? We've done uh, Prophetico. We've done WITC Radio. We've done Bring the Writers. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, a lot of programs that I've done, um, well, like I said, it doesn't matter. We just need to uh, get the bride the information she needs because that's our gender, ladies and gentlemen. That's our gender, not male, not female. It's bridal. You're a bride. That's what you are. So… Uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about. I talked about celestial mechanics with uh, my beloved sister today, and it's just kind of frustrating to me because she informed me that, oh, now I understand it. What, I've been talking about it for eight years, nine years, <laughs> and you just now get it. And she throws in the tidbit, well, you need to do more tiny chats with your wife. That's when we learn the most. Yeah, that's, that's, just, that's just funny. Of course, Keith informed me the same exact thing as well as over 50 emails I got over the past two weeks saying, hey, when are you going to do more shows with your wife? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, I get the point. I get the point. You'd rather enjoy my wife. 
so we shall do that. But right now she's had a hip replacement, so she's on pain medication. So she's kind of loopy, but as soon as she is back up to speed, mark my words, once a week we will get on Tiny Chat with my wife so that uh, she can pull out of me all the important stuff you people want to know but are obviously too afraid to ask me yourself. (laughs) So, well... She is, has been, and shall ever be a blessing, my wife. So uh, my contact and information, all that stuff's irrelevant. If you want to get a hold of me, just say a prayer. Make no mistakes about it. doesn't matter if you're in Australia, Mozambique, wherever. Say a prayer, and guess what? Lickety-split, the Holy Spirit will put you in contact with the right people, which will put me in contact with me. So... I don't need to advertise and do all those important things that the world thinks important. I don't care. Don't care about that stuff. Never did. That's why this is not monetized. None of the videos have ever been – nothing's ever been monetized with me. You can keep your money because I'm going to get what I got coming, and I don't want it from nobody else except he who is Christ the king. That's who I want to get something from. Nobody else. I am not an SS shepherd. I'm not self-sustaining. I do not feed off the fat sheep because I tell them what they want to hear. Nope. You need to get ready or your faith is going to snap like a twig when the entertainment eschatology you have taught yourself for the past 20 years fails miserably. Because he who sat upon the throne, oh, he's going to get up, and he's going to have his day. And that's what it says from Genesis to Revelation. That's what it always says. Repeatedly it says that. Brian, your closing comments, and uh, tell every people uh, you know, what you're working on, what you're doing with the, the Twitter accounts, the rearranging. Uh, state all that, please. Uh, and whatever else you deem necessary, okay? Well, to touch on the uh, last portion of what you stated first, everything is essentially going to be a branch of the End Time Tribune. That's where you can find all related work. You'll find End Time Tribune in the title, be it through End Time Tribune Media, or End Time Tribune. Obviously, Matthew has some different projects. They're all still part of the End Time Tribune that are listed on different sites. Nonetheless, folks, if you want to find the work we're working on, look for those names. I'll try to wrap this back around. My closing thoughts. That's just it, folks. That important question, what's important is where is all this headed? You know, Matthew made mention of something there about Isaiah 10. Last week at the end of the show, I pointed this out as well. Why, again, did I point out that that announcement was made by Donald Trump on the 8th? At the same time, over in Armenia, that new prime minister is elected on the 8th. 
All right, everybody, you need to understand this. We have two places that are invariably connected at this stage. Both places are of excruciating importance. Be it, we can even go into the third aspect. Most notably, what we're pushing towards here, what we possibly see coming down the barrel here, is the rise of that he-goat. From the rise of that he-goat, we're going to see the Assyrian rise with that. The mimic, obviously, at the time of Alexander the Great, and then when his empire broke up. You know, of course, everybody says, well, four horns rose up at that time, but that's not quite the way it worked. The war between the Diodaci, there are so many variables in it. Sometimes you had three, sometimes you had five. It never was it just a four-part division. Okay, so you can understand, just like the book of Daniel states in chapter 8, just like God says, this prophecy concerns the last days. Okay, once we see this collision between the he-goat as he sideswipes, that's to paraphrase, the uh, horns of Media Persia, like I just explained previously, we know for a fact, thanks to genetic science, that we have both Media and Persia living in modern-day Iran. Okay, the major thing to keep an eye on. Not to even mention the fact that, as I've explained in times past, okay, as we wind down into these last days, time itself starts to do a spiral where all of a sudden multiple events sit on top of one another. Looking in one place is only going to give us part of the equation. And that's where we have to, after time here, as we progress in the stuff we're working on as we speak, get the bride up to speed. And right now, in the midst, as I stated before, I'm working on the show notes for The Crucible. And just last night, I did a bit of the work on it. It was close to uh, not even certain what time Matthew and I stopped talking last night. It was from then until almost 8 o'clock in the morning when I finished up. Just the amount of work in there, which is close to 16 pages, if you were to read it like a book in the PDF format that I've already started. That's, it hasn't even touched the tip of the iceberg. That's how extensive this portion of things is going to be. We factor in all the other projects that we are working on. Okay, folks, we have a vast amount to get out there so that people, as Matthew has extensively explained, so that people can get their heads out of the nonsense from the bad shepherds, remove their minds from all the twisting that has been brought into what they teach as modern-day eschatology, the entertainment industry being involved in it. No. These things need to be corrected. And they're being corrected in even away in this time that couldn't have happened until now because now that we have all of this extensive archaeological data we have the extensive genetic data all of a sudden now we can actually lock in all of our important key players not to even mention when we look at events that are taking place across the world we can completely look at it 
and bring forward to people why these things are important. That's what we're going to stay focused on. So with that said, thanks for joining us. God bless. Back over to you, Matthew. You got anything to add? Yeah, I do. One other thing that uh, my beloved sister and I talked about today was uh, the celestial interloper. Um, We'll talk about that. There's things going on with the weather uh, patterns. Uh, That can only mean one thing, and I explained it to her, and all of a sudden she, you know, after (laughs) seven years, the light bulb goes off. Oh, no. 